the never-ending, reckless love of God. It was love and a whole message on, on love that triggered the lingering in the presence of the Lord at Asbury. And one thing the uh, speaker said was that this is a word, love, which is used about things from pizza to people. I love pizza. I love people. But I think sometimes it's too casual for us. One of the things I think would be very helpful for us is to get back to what it really means, what love really means. We saw that a little if you've had the opportunity to see the film yesterday. And if you haven't, I'm, I know you'll get a, an opportunity to, but there is a point when they take the Lord's Supper, they take communion together. And the, uh, the preacher in the movie says, this is the blood shed for us for the remission or the wiping away, the forgiving of our sins. And one of the enthusiastic new members of the congregation <laughs> said, for my sins. And it's kind of a laugh line, except it's so true. I think when we can really understand how a reckless, never-ending this love is that Jesus paid for it on the cross, radical love to draw us into the fellowship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit to draw us into fellowship. The Son ripped himself away from the Father and the Spirit. He left the divine fellowship to, to be murdered on a cross, but resurrected. And that's the picture for us. We have murdered ourselves by being sinful, born sinful and ever sinful until the day we say, yes, Jesus, I agree that I'm a sinner and I must be forgiven, and I want to turn away from the way I was going, and I want to put myself under, and I agree to be placed under the lordship of Jesus Christ and be made a new creation. For that, Jesus ripped himself away from the Father and the Spirit in order that we can be joined into him. This is that reckless, never-ending, precious love of God. So I'm voting <laughs> that we reserve that word for things that we really love, that are indicative and a picture of Jesus and the Father, the Son, and the Spirit's love for us. So today we come and we remember as we take the bread that Jesus, when he instituted this sacrament and in the Nazarene church, we believe it's a sacrament. These are, yes, they're representational of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, but in the taking of them, we receive a special grace from God, a special communion. So there, there is, in taking this, a miracle of sorts happening. And so we just remember this. Jesus said, this is my body, and it is broken for you. So eat of this in remembrance of me. Similarly, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. It has been shed for you, again, for the forgiveness of sins. 
Drink of it, and when you drink of it, remember what has been done for you by the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Teach us what this love is, Lord. Teach us. Even as you were poured out, pour us out. We have had the benefit, the precious miracle of knowing you, some of us for years and years and years, and we've been stitched into the story of your life. And now we would love to stitch others into. And so as we remember Jesus, what he has done for us, when he, in conference with you, Father, and in conference with your Spirit, agreed to make atonement for us. When we remember him, we want to share him too. Well, thank you, Lord. We uh, take this gratefully, meeting with you, communing with you, <laughs> eating at the table with you. In his name we pray. Amen. The question is, praise the Lord for a time when you recognize the Lord's patience in your life. Yes, Rich. Well, in 1987, I first found out about the 184-hour uh, Asbury revival in 1970 and was praying for revival on my campus at George Fox University. And there were chapels that felt like they might go long. The Lord was so present, and and I think, I have to think, everybody in, in the chapel felt that way. And I was always so disappointed on those days when the chapel leader, whoever it might be, the chaplain or or whoever it was, would dismiss us. So all these decades later, to hear that the students just stayed, <laughs> there were 20 of them that just stayed, I feel like maybe, maybe there was a disobedience in me in those days not to just stay, just stay in his presence. And he did it, you know, he he answered those prayers that revival would flow out and and had patience with me and all the others who have have not tarried when they were called to and what a what a spectacular um abundant blessing he he's poured out and continues to pour out in many places around America and around the world so i prepared a very technical sermon for you today and that's not the direction we're going to go. <laughs> we are talking about salvation. We are delving into God's word. It is powerful. It is active and it changes lives and hearts and minds. So we're not going to do that technically. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to ask if you would pray with me as we head a different direction this morning. So Father, we just come. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, we just ask as we come to your word this morning, Lord, I ask that your truth would be declared. That your word, your word, Lord, not my words, your word, Lord, would go forth. That we would learn more about who you are, about your character, about what you have done, Lord, and that our lives would be transformed. 
by the hearing of your word and the living out. We ask this in your name. Amen. So the question that we had this morning on patience was a great, and the ways that we've seen God's patient in our lives was a great, great question to start with today because we're going to be looking at patience and the Lord's patience, and we're going to be looking at salvation and how they connect in the scripture. In the reflection, as I shared in our time, um, our praise time, one of the things I was reflecting on is the Lord's patience towards me, both as I was coming to receive salvation, as I was coming to receive his word that was being, that was declared to me, but also in the ways I've seen him move and work in my life. The areas that I knew were separating me from him, that he wanted to bring transformation, and I wasn't ready or willing until the moment that I was. His patience demonstrated to me. This morning, we are in, we're still in Second Peter. It's a good book. It's a good place to be. And we are still in our series, What Happens When the Created People Walk Away from Their, from their Creator. But we are in first, we've been in first and second Peter looking for keys to, to, to connect to the Lord and to stay connected. That's why we're in this particular book. And it's a second Peter, especially is a, they're, they're both great. We are in great scriptures to look for those keys to stay connected to the Lord. We've said it before, but the, the audience, just as a reminder, the audience is, is Gentile believers uh, living in a setting where people aren't connected to the Lord. They live in a setting where most of the people around them are not saved. They don't know the Lord and, and that is, that's what their context is in their day-to-day lives. They're surrounded by people who don't necessarily know the Lord and don't live like they know the Lord. In addition to the fact that they lived in this setting where people weren't connected to the Lord, there are also false teachers that are twisting the scriptures, the good news of the gospel, that are distorting those truths in the scripture. They are skeptical of the Lord's coming judgment and the return of Jesus. And they're like, it impact, that perspective impacts so much. It, it it distorts how they look at God as well. And they're kind of using it as a reason to say, like, kind of live however you want to live. Their, their view is that there is no judgment and it's impacting how they live their lives. And the thing is, it, it also, it's not just that they like, it impacts how they live their lives, but like it doesn't take into account who God is and his character. They're like missing the point of who he is. And, and the scriptures that they say that they're declaring, the gospel that they say that they're declaring doesn't take into account who God really is. And so that's what believers are dealing with in this context. And it's in this context that 2 Peter is written. And 2 Peter is a letter, but it's also what's called like a testamentary discourse, which is a really fancy way of saying his final words. A farewell speech. And he's he's saying it to, to remind them of what he taught them, of what they've learned, and to defend against false teachers and to really encourage them out of what they've learned about who God is to live holy lives. To encourage them to live differently 
So when we come to the, so this is not going to be a new, like, testamentary uh, discourses are not meant to be like new and fresh teaching. It's a reminder. So what we hear this morning is actually something that was echoed earlier in, the, in Second Peter, even within the chapter that we've been in. So it's going to sound familiar. So we're in verse 15, and we're really going to be focusing on 15a. So like the, the very first sentence before the comma is, is where we're going to hang out most of our time this morning. And verse 15 says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. So if false teachers were teaching that the Lord, because the Lord hasn't come, he's not going to come. And they're understanding the Lord's, going back to verse 9 for a second, Peter addresses that. And he, he says, you know, it's not slowness as, as you understand slowness. Let me read verse 9 again, since we're kind of paralleling here. In verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, that word patient is, has the same root of the word patient that we see in verse 15 in that first part. So we're kind of talking about the same thing. And that it's that word patient that means... It's more than just patience. It's that idea of long-suffering. It's the idea of a divine restraint, holding back judgment and the anger and the punishment that a people separated from God deserve. Peter says again in verse 9 that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, the promise that he will return, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. He's... He's hanging in there, not wishing that any should perish. And we see this again in verse 15. We count the patience of our Lord as salvation. This patience that we're talking about today, this forbearance, this divine restraint that we're talking about is in line with what we know of who God is and what we see through the, throughout Scripture. It's God's character. In Exodus 34, when the Lord passes by in a response to Moses' request to see him, to see his glory, the Lord proclaims, he passes by, he he puts uh, Moses in the rock, and he passes by, and he says, The Lord, the Lord, a a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. In Romans 2, when Paul talks about judgment, he says this, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Peter is calling on believers to view that patience, that forbearance in coming, not as being slow, not as forsaking his promise, but as salvation. 
Because his patience is to give as many people as possible the opportunity to be saved. To give his creation a chance to return to their creator. The people that are teaching the false teaching, who are missing, who are saying that the judgment of God isn't coming, they've lost, if they had the, the track of salvation, they have lost it. They have forgotten what God's forgiveness, what his grace, what his salvation has meant. It has been, um, I keep using the word humbling because I can't think of a different word. I keep using the word humbling. So I'm going to use it again like five times. We'll go with it. It's what I got. Unless the Lord gives me a different word. But uh, looking at what God is doing, at, has, has done at Asbury Seminary, both in the past and more recently in the last couple weeks, just seeing what he's doing has been so very humbling to me. To see his love pour out to his people and it, it led to, it's led to worship. It's led to repentance. And that's who God is. And it's humbling because it's easy to lose that sometimes in the day to day. That reminder of like, he has saved me and transformed me. And I want to worship him. And I want to live my life following him. I want to do what he is calling me to do and not what I want to do. And that's what he wants for everybody. For all of his creation. For everybody to say, yes, I want to follow him. I want to have a relationship with God. And so to see his him pouring forth and to, to watch the movie yesterday, Jesus Revolution, where seeing a movement of God to a people that were in some cases very rejected to seeing the love of God flow to his servants and through them to the people that God wanted to see to bring to himself and to see the changes that were wrought in lives I can't draw a connect direct connection between my salvation and that movement the Jesus movement but I can I can tell you for sure that I am in a way a product of what God was doing because his salvation was going forth. That's what Peter is saying when he says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, is that he wants as many people to be connected to the Lord as possible before he comes before his judgment comes there is a second there is a second part of this verse it is not going to be it, it is going to be further exposited next week with pastor linda so i'm just going to touch on it very very briefly it says just as our beloved brother paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him peter is referencing the apostle paul and he's using the phrase just as to, to say that their teachings are in alignment. They're teaching the same things. They agree. And Paul, in his teaching and his writing to believers, is not writing of his own intellect. 
he's not drawing it from his own bank of knowledge. He's, his, the, he's receiving divine inspiration. It's his, what he's writing is from the Lord. And people have, there's lots of arguments in all kinds of commentaries, if you want to read them, about what specifically Peter is referring to here. Whether it's all the letters that Paul wrote, whether it's one letter that Paul wrote, whether it's a particular verse, and there was not a definitive conclusion, necessarily. But it, it would seem we know <laughs> that if Paul too has written, the, we do know from the letters that we have that Paul too has written of the need to live holy lives in light of Christ's return. And that he has also talked about the forbearance of the Lord, the patience of the Lord, and offering an opportunity for repentance. We read that in Romans 2. I believe it is verse 4. God loves his creation. In John 3, 16 through 18, it says, For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is what we are talking about in salvation. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. God sent his son so that the world might be saved through him and that he wants everyone to have the opportunity to be saved. So what does this mean for us as a people who are hearing this message, this word of Peter's declared? Declare his salvation. I was sharing with the pastors before, as we were praying before the service, that I am, I was excited about what God is doing at Asbury. I've been very humbled by it. I've been, it's been just amazing to see the movement of God in the lives of these, these students, these young men, men and women. And, but what I, I look forward to seeing what I am praying about is what happens next. As the Lord has, has brought about revival in hearts and minds and lives at Asbury. To see what that pouring forth of who God is, what that looks like as they move forth into ministry, into their workplaces, into their lives, into their classrooms now that they have experienced that movement of God. Because that's what changes. The Lord, his salvation, the truth that Jesus died on the cross, that he, he was resurrected that he will come again, that he died on the cross for our sins, that truth is what changes people. And I needed to remember that today. I needed to remember the power of salvation in my life. Because I can't remember, I can't declare that 
when I forget it for myself. So we remember his salvation. And we declare it. We tell the good news of who God is to the world. The Lord is patient and is counted as salvation. Let me pray for us. Lord, we just uh, thank you. Lord, I thank you for the movement you're, you're, you're pouring forth in revival. Lord, you're drawing people to yourself at Asbury. Lord, I thank you for the Jesus movement and for the way in which your love and your salvation moved forth through a generation and changed the generations that followed. Lord, I thank you for your patience. I thank you for the testimonies of your patience that we heard today. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness towards us, for your faithfulness. Thank you that you sent your son into the world that we might be saved, that we might come to a knowledge of who you are. Lord, we just ask that you would... Um, as we are reminded of your goodness, your faithfulness to us, as we remember your salvation in our lives, as we receive your love, Lord, enable us to pour that out. And enable us as we declare your salvation to the world. Thank you for the reminder of your reckless love. Lord, your overwhelming love for your creation in your patience to allow your people, your creation to receive your salvation. We just thank you and praise you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, enable us as we go forth and declare that. Declare the truth of who you are. We ask this in your name. Amen. To end a sermon on Peter, I am going to borrow a prayer from Paul for us from Ephesians. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you people of Westchester Chapel, believers in Jesus, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, 
to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen. If you were moved by today's message, that was the Holy Spirit wooing you to himself. God created the entire universe so that he could be in relationship with us, so that he could be in relationship with you. His son came to the earth. Though he was completely without sin, he died the death of a sinner, took all of our sins upon himself, and was resurrected so that we could have eternal life. All we need to do is accept what he did for us. You can find out more at westchesterchapel.org forward slash salvation. But why not pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, thank you for suffering and dying for me. Thank you that your death atoned for everything that I've done to separate me from you. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, and Holy Spirit, come into my life and empower me to live for you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to know about it. Please send an email to info at westchesterchapel.org. Now, our website is under construction right now, so these links may or may not work. But if you go to westchesterchapel.blogspot.com, in the right-hand column, you'll see an article on salvation and a way to get in touch there. If you live in or near Westchester County, we hope you'll join us. Find out when we're meeting at westchesterchapel.org. Again, that website may be under construction, but be patient with us. Also, if you're outside of the area, you can join us on Zoom, and that info will be there as well. But we do encourage you to get plugged into a local body of Christ-centered, Bible-believing Christians. Lord bless you.